0: Hello and welcome back to the Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Nomadland and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Hannah Couture to talk about this one. Hannah, are you ready to go off the grid? (laughs)
1: <laughs> at this point, yes.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I think this movie like, is kind of like, can be kind of an escapist thing for a lot of people at this particular point in time. Though Hannah and I are probably recording this like two or three months before you guys listen to it because uh, we were lucky enough to see it uh, as part of a kind of joint New York Film Festival, Lincoln Film Center type of thing and figured, hey, let's talk about this while it's fresh in our heads. But we're not going to be like those obnoxious film critics that talk all publicly about these <laughs> movies when all, the, when, all the, when all the just the plebeians can see it and can't see the movies. So we're very sensitive to all of you fellow common folk out there. Uh, but uh, Nomadland is the newest film from writer-director Chloe Zhao. It is the follow-up to her 2017 movie, The Writer. Nomadland won both the People's Choice Award at the Toronto Film Festival and the Golden Lion Award at the Venice Film Festival, both of which obviously took place more virtually in 2020. The movie itself takes place in 2011 and 2012. It stars Frances McDormand, who plays Fern. And when we meet her, she is a, a widow who is living in uh, rural Nevada and Arizona, doing a living in a kind of new to a nomadic lifestyle by living out of her van, which I believe she has named Vanguard. She had lived for a while in a town of Empire, Nevada, which is an industrial town that was propped up by a sheetrock factory. Uh, her and her husband both worked there and he passed away and she kept working there till the factory closed down. And when that happened, she decided she was going to go out and live on her own out of her van and taking odd jobs in different places including amazon warehouses and campgrounds and things like that and she kind of drifts in and out of a nomadic community of with with a a bunch of other people who do similar things and much like she did in the rider chloe Zhao, cast uh, a bunch of people who are from the community that she is exploring including a few uh friends who are referred to in wikipedia as mentors for fern and i think that don't think that's by accident even though it is wikipedia those people include someone named linda may someone named bob wells someone named swanky and she also comes across the uh, another guy who is kind of like her like kind of has one foot in one foot out of the life played by david Stratherian, who is named dave so easy enough right there and uh she ends up kind of just wandering in and out of this life and wandering to different parts of the country. And we kind of follow her as she and learn more about her and learn more about all the people that she is coming into contact with. Hannah, I want you to I'm trying to start these podcasts out a little more uh, focused and not just put my uh, put super broad questions onto my guests. And so I'm going to ask you a broad probably still ask you a broad question anyway, but take it how you will, Uh, because I'm really curious because this movie, I think it operates on like a lot of different levels and has a lot of things on its mind. So I'm kind of curious. And again, you can sidestep this question or twist it however way you want it. But what do you think Chloe Zhao's mission statement if she had one was for this movie?
1: I think, I mean, I would assume that the goal was based on her working with mostly non-professional actors who actually share the experiences, some of the experiences of their characters is like she did with like the writer, um, is to just sort of put people and stories in a movie that we don't normally hear about. Like I knew basically nothing about, these nomads, especially that they're especially older people who are maybe of retirement age, who are working for Amazon and, you know, traveling across the country. Like I knew basically nothing about that. So I think that's kind of one of the things she likes to do as a filmmaker is say like, you know, I met somebody who has this really interesting story. Why not craft a whole movie around them, even though this is based on a book, but
0: yeah, I should have said that before. It's based on a book, Nomadland, Surviving America in the 21st Century by Jessica Bruder. And, you know, it's interesting. I, Because I, I, that's 100% right, and I'm glad you mentioned that, because one thing I neglected to mention when I was just kind of doing my little intro bit there about the movie is that this is also basically made like— Largely in secret for a while, though I think I read Fran McDormand optioned the book and kind of got connected with Chloe Zhao and uh, they both they, they all straight up lived out of the vans while they were making the movies like she gets really, really into these communities. And It was funny, right? I had the thought right before we got online that when we talked last year about the farewell, one of the first points we made was mm-hmm. just because something is relatable doesn't mean it's good. And I was and I was thinking about this the other day. Obviously, this is not a relatable movie to us. We didn't know anything about this lifestyle. But I just the last episode I did just the other day of the podcast, which not the last episode in the order of what you're seeing this one in the feed. But as far as the last one I recorded was on Up in the Air, because my friend Nick had uh, suggested it when I said, hey, do you want to come talk about an old movie after we talked about Tenant?" in he was like, yeah, I, I, how about up in the air? Which I mean made a lot of sense given, you know, it focuses largely on travel, remote work, a dying economy. And (laughs) I had the thought as I was talking with him about it, just because something's timely and fortuitous or, or just coincidentally timely, even it came out 10 years ago or is set 10 years ago, like this movie doesn't make it good just because it's timely and it has a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but I think this one is just good because it's good. Uh, but, but it's certainly fun to, Think about all the ways in which it uh, just—it feels very, very relevant. And I think my big takeaway—and again, I I don't want to put words in Chloe Zhao's mouth—but like my big takeaway was that I think that she's, like you said, discovered this really interesting uh, way of life and saw a lot of value in it. At least the point I took from it was that this this way of life where you're divorced from like so much of though oddly enough they end up working for amazon with the biggest corporation but you're so divorced from like so much of the economy and uh not really beholden to any kind of big corporate interests like that and you can kind of live your own life separate from so much of that if you can i think she sees a lot of value in that but that should be opting out like that should be an option and right. it shouldn't be something where uh, you – it shouldn't be a choice your country makes for you. And I think that is kind of – was like my big thing that I just couldn't help but think about like the entire time I was watching this because all of these people in this community, they come to it for their own reasons. But uh, some of them are like it's, not, it's really just not by choice and that's like really sad.
1: Yeah, I mean and that's kind of the interesting conflict of the movie. Not that there's a ton of conflict in right. it really but just sort of the interesting – or sad question about it is that you hear these sort of testimonials from a lot of the people that Fern meets who say like I've always I wouldn't want to live any w- any other way like I think this is beautiful it's the best part of this country like I would never want to live in a city this is what I've always wanted and then there are people who clearly it's like well if I didn't live this way I wouldn't have I can't retire I wouldn't have any money and I would be essentially homeless if I didn't do this you know so and it's also, you know, her and the David Strathairn character, you see kind of later in the movie that they do have other family and they do have other options, even though, you know, they are struggling for money and their lives are hard. And this is maybe a more difficult choice for them, but it, there are also other people who have literally no other choice.
0: Yeah. There's someone, it was drawing to me at one point, cause I, I was still trying to figure out like what, keeps these people there and i was earlier in the movie and i i was still trying to get a grasp of it because like they're not your stereotypical what you think of when you think of a homeless person they're different and i was trying to kind of gather that because there are all these hints that like she had some other kind of life when she runs into a family in the store and it's like oh this just seems like a regular family that she knows like she was part of some other kind of a community i mean i i think we knew a little bit about her past in the in the um nevada uh, factory town, but not a ton. I was like, okay, like she's not like someone that's just been living on the street for a long time, like that much as a parent like she has some kind of community that knows her uh but like i was I was thinking like are all these people coming here like this and then there's this part where they all kind of get around a circle and talk about what got them there and one lady's like, no, I just retired from a corporate job, and I mm-hmm. was like, huh, that's kind of interesting and every- and it's just they all they all have their own real story, but it's all at the same time like kind of just uh, set against this backdrop of like a lot of them, it's again, it takes place like still with, within the great recession, it's like three years from there. And like, that just kind of colors everything in the movie at the same time, even if like a few of these people like are there on their own terms.
1: Yeah. But I mean, the, the sort of fact that hangs over a lot of it is these people should be able to retire. And most of them just absolutely cannot. And they're, you know, it's a movie about like the gig economy essentially for,
0: yeah just a like a, a lot of gigs that like just we never even have any reason to come across and you just kind of see like wow like people uh they really they they really hustle in corners of the country where you just might even like if you stop by on a if, if, you're, if you're if you're if you and your family are just stop at somewhere like this wall drug place like uh just is, is it wall drug did i get that right mm-hmm. uh yeah well stop at somewhere like that wall drug place which i don't even know how to describe what that is there's like an, a there, there's an arcade there's like a zoo there's a restaurant it's like
1: a big roadside attraction yeah
0: and uh if you stop by there and you see one of the workers there you might not even give two thoughts as to like what that person does whereas like i think i think you might think differently about like someone waiting tables in a big city you know it's interesting to kind of see like no that's a thing it's just because these people are like making their way through rural america they have to travel like state to state to do this kind of gig economy thing as opposed to doing it all in one metropolis And it's really cool because that was my probably my favorite thing about the writer too is just that like while it's showing me a window in like a part of the country like I've never been in and like like you said I I've never been in most of these places like you have I can say I've been to Arizona and I've been to Nevada and I've been to California uh, and I've but I've never been to like that part of any of those states so it's really cool that like a, a filmmaker like this just honestly takes the time to make you feel like you've you've seen that and clearly has a lot of empathy for these people and it's it's really impressive and I mean I feel like I should have just written read more about Chloe Zhao than I have because it's kind of fascinating that like a person that's like just from the other side of the world like has this insight into like the heartland of America
1: yeah that's somebody who grew up in China and then moved to the U.S. to go to school I think she lived in New York and LA and Mm -hmm. then somehow ended up making three movies about the rural uh like upper midwest <laughs> and the west like it's funny how those things happen but clearly like she keeps finding stories in those places that she thinks are interesting and she wants to explore
0: what did you what did you think of the movie's decision because I, I one thing i did read a little bit about which i was glad i came across even though i'm glad i probably didn't read too much was that it was like very intentionally non-political or non non-explicitly political i should say because right. i mean there's a political backdrop to like what put these people in this spot. But if, if you didn't know it was 2011, you might be like all of a sudden anticipating some kind of Trump rally or something as you're watching something like this. And it's not, and these people don't talk politics at all. Uh, what did you think of the movie? Because uh, apparently that was very intentional on her part. What did you think about that? Because I thought it was pretty smart because otherwise it'd probably feel way too on the nose.
1: It would. And also I think if you, a community like this that is so interested in not quite being off the grid, but being away from major cities and just being interested in nature and like the land, I think maybe that is not the first thing they think of. And also, there are people coming to this group as you hear when they're telling those stories from all kinds of backgrounds. So you have to assume that there are they all have different politics or they don't all have the same politics. You know, you don't want to be like, "Oh, well, these people live in a rural area or they're from South Dakota or whatever, therefore they would theoretically vote like this, but yeah, I think it's for as much as it is about, as the movie is about like huge problems in America, it's not sort of, it's not, it's more interested in like the human stories of these people than it is saying like, here's the problem and here's what we should do about it. And you know,
0: definitely there's like a worse version of this movie that does go there.
1: And I, and 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 I like has footage of a Trump rally in it or whatever.
0: Right. And I think it's like, and I I don't know if the book actually hangs out in an Amazon distribution fulfillment center or not, but I think that, that just like, that does all of that work for it without it having to really go there in a way.
1: I mean, and seeing that, those scenes of people working in that Amazon warehouse, like that is political. It's just not putting a big neon sign on it saying, this is bad. Like we get it you know, that people should not have to live this way.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it's, and, and it's also really smart. It, 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 and it, and it accomplishes those things in like really smaller moments too, where uh, I, th- I think, as you said, these people should be able to retire. And I think her, her friend, uh, Linda May is saying in an early conversation that I looked at my like social security account at one point and there was just like $500 in it mm-hmm. or something like that. And I like, I worked my whole life and that that's where I'm at. And I think it's just like super, super. Again, that doesn't mean it's good, but it's super, super like timely, and it does help the movie. And that it can, uh, it's it just says so much that Amazon is so prominently featured in this movie. When just since the just since this movie like probably like first was shown to any critics anywhere, Jeff Bezos' his net worth has gone up by like seventy billion dollars. Exactly. And like I know that and I'm sure uh, a lot of people have seen that because it's just been a big part of the news. And uh, I've, on multiple occasions since this movie has come out, I, different Amazon workers around the country have gone on strikes or around the world, I should say. And That that's just present in your mind. It's like you know, if someone can in like the literally the worst time in our country and in Uri's lifetime and people even older than us, uh, if someone's like net worth can increase by seventy billion and other people like still don't have a pot to piss in, I mean. That says,
1: Literally. A, yeah. Oh, and, and, and that. that <laughs> a few scenes in this movie. Oh
0: God, yeah. That's a that's. I didn't even think about that, but that is a plot point, and uh, that just says everything without you needing to, uh, you know, do something as obvious as like even put Trump on in the background which I mean like great movies have done in the last couple of years uh, oddly enough there was a whole thing where uh, there was a whole Trump segment that played in 2018's burning which I think uh, accomplished I what yeah it, it, it accomplished what it wanted to and it's probably it, and it works better there than it probably would there because it's kind of crazy it's kind of interesting to think of that being on TV in South Korea but you know uh, I thought this Chloe Zhao was really smart in the way she accomplished uh, saying what she wanted to say without like having to you know pick any low hanging fruit.
1: Right. Well, I mean, and this movie is set in mostly in 2012. So this was pre-Trump campaign or presidency. But still, you know, there's a version of this movie where you see like CNN footage about the financial crash or, you know. Yes. This is not it's not not interested in the sort of broader world, but it is, I think, very smartly just focused on this woman and this community that she finds rather than be like, you know, here are all the problems with America. I will explain them to you like we get it
0: totally and i think just watching these people just deal with their their own issues is it kind of gets the point across on its own when you she takes the time to like really make them characters uh and it's and i mean it is i think it is notable that she had uh that she has francis mcdormand and david shortharian in this movie when uh she's just Her first two movies just didn't have actors that were of note of that level in them and was almost exclusively non-actors, but even the moments that they have here with a lot of these other people, it does a really good job of just like in really efficiently conveying something about them to you because Fern is in every single scene of this movie and it's her movie, but, uh... I mean it gives I mean it gives the Bob Wells character, it gives the Swanky character, it gives that Linda May character they all have their own moments they're not only there to teach her how to fix a tire like they all mm-hmm. get like their own uh moment that really like sh- shows that shows you your a different kind of very specific story separate from what Fern went through and it's a very effective way in showing but not telling I guess is what I'm trying to say
1: well, and that is always maybe something kind of risky making a movie with both well-known professional actors and non-actors is that it can seem jarring or fake when the movie stars you know are in it but i think this and part of that is that like Frances mcdormand is a wonderful actor and you believe her in this part but also those you know real people who are playing versions of themselves give really good performances as well like it all blends very well
0: i actually thought specifically about that when they're in the campgrounds when she's gone to work as a camp host at this uh kind of trailer park campground kind of facility and uh, linda may is working there too and there's one scene where they're like they create their own spa for a day mm-hmm. and another scene where they're like I, I forget they're driving around on golf carts and they're just joking about something and i'm like i mean first of all like i mean francis mcdormand is i mean she's pretty incredible and in that like you know just when i heard what this movie was going to be about i was like in knowing what Frances McDormand's off-screen persona is like and what she seems (laughs) to be like in person, at least the kind of persona she wants to give off whenever she's like on the red carpet or just giving interviews, I just thought, oh, well, I know exactly what kind of character she's going to play. It's going to exactly. be like, she's going to be playing herself, which I mean, she's more than earned the right to do, but I just assumed that was what she was going to be doing. When in fact, Fern is like a really a warm, warm character and is actually kind of funny at times. So I was like, oh wow, like she is really giving a great performance when she's just like joking around with these non-actors that like, make me believe like, oh wow, I, I believe this character when I expected to come in and get curmudgeonly Fran McDormand, which would have been delightful in its own way but like i was just pleasantly surprised but i'm like wow she is really really acting and like it's but it's not like she's acting these other people off the screen which i mean is probably both the testament to her and the non-actors and chloe Zhao.
1: right it's you know a big part of it is the direction but yeah you're right you know like you said oh it's not like these people are just there to like show her how to fix stuff on the van like These characters, they all, those three main characters that you mentioned, they all get big monologues. Exactly. And they're all good. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not a moment where you're like, oh, this is not a particularly good performance, because even if somebody is playing, if you're you know, playing themselves, that's still, diff- you know, that's still giving a performance. That's still difficult, especially if you've never acted before.
0: There's like whole Oscar speeches from like Oscar nominees from the last five years that like I, that I, that I bought less than some of the stuff in here. So <laughs> yeah. I, 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 like much, much respect to like, uh, all, all of these people for sure. I, um, uh, did, did you have any, I mean, uh, I'll ask you, I, I mean, I can ask you more about any of these actors specifically, I guess, but did you have any other feelings about, uh, Francis McDormand in the role. We may as well just talk about her now. If you have anything else you need to say, but I, I mean, I well actually, I think you. Uh, if I if, if, unless something has changed since the last time we discussed it, you never saw three billboards, right?
1: I never did. No, the. Uh, I
0: don't think I, you should I, be ashamed. I think it's a no, fine choice. But I,
1: I, I love Francis McDormand. She's one of my favorite actors. But <laughs> the discourse around that movie was so terrible that I was like, I'm just not gonna do it. Leading up to the Oscars, and then it's like, well, now there's. Especially no reason for me to watch it because the Oscars are over and nobody ever talks about <laughs> that movie
0: anyway. So it's a it's a fair point, and uh, we got kind of lucked out in that it didn't win. Not that uh, I mean, Shape of Water was like not exactly super memorable in its own right, but I mean, still, no, it was
1: a good uh, for... year though. It was a good Oscars year otherwise. So
0: yeah, I mean justice for Lady Bird, but uh uh (laughs) always yeah but like the my my point being like that was the performance i was expecting when i when i came into this so you you might not have to have that point of reference but like just based on what little i had learned about nomadland and what i knew about that character in three billboards and what i knew about her i just came in like expecting that and i really shouldn't have done that because like we know from that like she is capable of like Playing characters that have like so much empathy and so much emotion, uh, whether it be from something like Fargo or Almost Famous, that like I'm like, I, I, I should have like, you know, just ex- expected something. No, I shouldn't have come in with any kind of preconceived notions, but regardless, I was like very su- happily, pleasantly surprised.
1: I know exactly what you mean though, like in terms of knowing what her real life mm-hmm. uh, personality is like, which I agree, like I also find delightful, but so much of her attitude when you s- see her on. Red carpet to read interviews is her being like the industry is dumb. Like I'm not interested in all of this stuff. Like she's very outspoken, and so you do kind of think like oh,
0: when you hear she's going to play a loner, right? When
1: you hear she's playing this older woman who is unable to retire and has to live in a van, like you might think that you know what that is but i agree it's a very like warm and sweet performance
0: i just braced myself for like a cranky performance which i mean if i I had to live that kind of life i'd sure as hell be cranky so that was what i prepared myself for coming in and i mean even though in the fact that like it doesn't feel like that even though like we're watching this woman uh learning all this awful stuff about her watching her encounter people who are having awful stuff happen to them watching her have to like Literally poop in a bucket. I mean, it, like, and the fact that it doesn't feel like super depressing, I mean, even if it doesn't end on like the happiest of notes, the fact that the ride along is not depressing is like really, really uh, says something about just the, the warmth she brings to the movie and the storytelling.
1: Yeah, it's a very empathetic performance. Mm-hmm. And the one time that you, the one scene where you really see, Fern get angry is when she's forced to interact with people who have normal lives and live in the suburbs and are condescending about the way she lives.
0: Yeah. Even when, um, and you know, it was funny because for a second I was about to correct you, but I'm like, nope. Cause remember when, uh, Dave breaks her, uh, the, the China- that her uh, mom had left her uh, when did, he's just trying to help, And I was like, "Oh, that's just gonna set her off." Like we, you think it's gonna be like a big blow
1: up, and then she sort of, she's just right back to, to being, yeah. she's
0: back to being friendly with him in the next scene. I was like, yeah. "Okay," like she's kind of like trying to, I don't want to say ingratiate herself to these people, but she's trying to like earnestly live this lifestyle where some people are kind of like doubting that she's like cut out for it 100% yet, even if she's really giving it a go. So like, I think she just really, really wants to like be selfless and sees that as a way into this community because she is really generous whenever she has the opportunity to be. And she doesn't just like totally write Dave off. And I, I was totally to expecting her to just be like, man, leave me alone, and they're right back to being friends. So you're right in that like, she just really, really feels that at home in that community and not so much whenever she has to go into a place with four walls.
1: Well, I think she understand like one place where there is like a little bit of tension was like kind of what we were talking about earlier is that there are people who choose to do this and live in their vans or rvs and there are people who don't really have another option so there is sort of like i think fern seems aware that it, one she's new to this and people in a tight-knit sort of subculture would understandably be a little suspicious of a new person even though they are very welcoming it does it's the kind of thing that you could see somebody like being like oh hey wouldn't it be fun if we tried this and then screwing things up and leaving but also i think she probably understands and then as we learn later in the movie that like she does have more options than a lot of these people and she doesn't have much money and she's still working these sort of you know these small jobs that she has to string together but she is better off in a lot of ways than some of the other people that she meets so i think i think she's aware of that and i think the movie is aware of that
0: Yeah, definitely. What were your feelings on how this movie looked?
1: I mean, my main feeling is that I really wish I could see it in a theater. Mm -hmm. And obviously I would love to see anything in a theater right now, but I felt watching this the same way that I felt watching first cow, which is another movie from this year that I really loved That's set in the Western United States that like, these are these gorgeous landscapes in parts of the country that I've never been to. And it's like, man, I would really love to see this on a big screen.
0: Yeah, there was there was one moment which I I, I meant to uh, I was going to like send to you before we started because I was going to be like, this has to be like fake Uh, where Mm -hmm. I I think I think it's like right as she's about the it's, it's like before she goes to the campground and there's just like a just like a whole you're just watching the van from behind go down a road and there's like a mountain range in the back. And I was like, I know they shot this in location, but I feel like they're just like kind of. I don't, I don't know if they're flexing on me, but I feel like they were, <laughs> I feel like they knew what they were doing when they looked at this scene, because it's literally just like, it looks like a painting. It doesn't look real. Yeah,
1: it's otherworldly.
0: Yeah, parts of it do, and uh, I, mean, you know, it shouldn't be shocking, because she, she obviously uh, captured the West very well in The Rider, but that was just, that was just kind of one location. Here, like, they, they clearly go to a lot of different kinds of places, and yeah, and I, I, I guess it can kind of ask you I'll, I'll, I'll ask you about the theater thing now because I and then and, and go back and look at my bullet points because I I think it's a good time to mention it. it's a, like we've watched a lot of different movies throughout quarantine that we, a lot of people would more than happy be more than happy to just wait till they came to streaming but uh there are things that you or I would have just like we would have seen the theater regardless if it was something like this or first cow or Something that would you wouldn't lose as much by like going to the computer screen or whatever, but i I feel like watching this like i I specifically had much more fomo of the theater experience mm-hmm. than like I otherwise would, and even fomo from knowing that people that are in um that are much more privileged than us when it comes to when they get to see stuff, got to see it in a drive in, and I was like especially jealous of that,
1: yeah, for sure, I mean you know I've watched lots of new releases in my house on my computer and. For the most part, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like a privileged complaint to be like, oh, I miss movie theaters, but I do. And, but a lot of movies, like, it's not that big a deal. Hey,
0: when, when, when you've like behaved like we have throughout quarantine, we get to complain a little bit. I think we've earned it. There are other people that are like going to bars and stuff.
1: It's we, true. We, I
0: don't we, we can complain about having to watch stuff on our laptop when like I haven't eaten inside in a restaurant in like almost exactly nine months. So I
1: know I was trying to remember when the last time I did even was and I couldn't remember. Right. But
0: I mean, I, like we're coming up on like nine months since all the stuff shut down.
1: But, uh, you know, there are movies where that's less important, yeah, and I've plenty of stuff that I've watched, like it didn't really matter, but this this in first cow, one like it's just such a beautiful setting, and two, so many parts of it are so quiet and still, it's like I would like to be in a dark, quiet place watching this, and not even if I am sitting in my bedroom with all the lights turned off, I can still hear like the fridge or cars going by or an airplane fly you know you can still you're not going to get the complete like closed off environment that you can have in a movie theater
0: right and i feel like I, when you said that i was like well you could get like some annoying people at a movie theater that are like on their phone or like doing stuff like that but like i feel like this is the kind of movie that we would find the time to go see it at which there either wouldn't be that many people or the people that would be there You're would be taking it seriously
1: single 80 year old woman oh gosh i mean i'm, 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 I'm <laughs> like a 2 p.m showing i miss my like do oh, you miss
0: it i miss my like fellow octogenarian palm beach <laughs> county uh friends that are just sit with me every time i'm in a over Tone theater though i mean like inevitably like three of them would have gotten up and said this and said very out loud this isn't for me but i would have been like fair enough and i would have gone on and enjoying it the rest the rest of the way um but it, but but yeah like i think in i don't know i, th- I think you're right about the, like i'm glad you made the point about the sound because i feel like there's plenty of movies that have like cool visual stuff and stuff might blow up and uh but like i think it's a combination of that and just i think the I don't know, I, I feel like I, I lose more with like seeing something like this on my computer than I do seeing like an action movie on my computer, right? Um, and I and I and I feel like anytime like an action movie comes out, everyone's like or like a, a superhero movie comes out, people might be like, oh no, I should have seen that in theaters. And I mean, maybe for superhero movies when because I saw some cool like you know footage going around the last couple of days of like the parts where people cheered at Avengers and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, I guess I some of that's kind of nice or whatever. But I think I'd rather I'd rather just w- watch these mountains on something other than like my TV where I'm airplaying on Apple TV from my laptop to and then like i'm just having to watch it that way like i don't know I, I feel like that's a greater loss than like not having that big cgi explosion or whatever so i wasn't um, like as broken up about like i don't know again I, I i said beforehand i'm not gonna do it now i'm not gonna make you like talk about hbo max and stuff like that but i feel like i wasn't as upset about that as other people were but yeah i, for, as, I wasn't as upset about the, some of those people were for that because it was i was more like i already had my head in another place where i was like kind of sad about the Oscar season stuff
1: yeah, I mean, obviously there's more to get into with the HBO Max stuff, but yeah, so many of those releases are like, you know, Wonder Woman or The Matrix or these things where it's like, I mean, you'll be fine. I understand the disappointment, but it's a different experience. You
0: no, know, for sure. hundred percent. Did you have any, did, was there, I think we've pretty well covered it. Did you have any other points you wanted to make
1: on Nomadland? Uh, I think we talked about the main stuff. You know, I definitely did want to talk about how gorgeous it looked, but I think we, we talked about it
0: yeah i mean oh we, let me ask you i mean because I, I feel like we didn't actually get that into the specific sites that she works at and all that because i mean we talked plenty about the people and i think we kind of got the gist of it but uh let me ask you personally if you had to live in one of these locations where would it be
1: oh the badlands <laughs> yeah that, that so that is your scene you think it would be yeah i mean that that is the stuff there's that <laughs> scene where she david strathairn the job that he takes at the campground is like leading the tours and she goes on one of his tours and then sort of runs off and is running around in all these rocks and the sun is starting to set and you're like, This is the most incredible place I've ever seen. Like so yeah, I mean that was probably the the part that I liked the look of the most.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I could have gotten really comfortable in uh in David trutharian's family's house. I mean, I know that might not oh, be in the well, for sure. that might not be in the spirit of the question I asked you as far as if you're having to do the nomad thing, but that was like a really 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 cozy looking guest room she had there and i think there is something to be said about that we didn't even discuss how like not even her not getting along with people necessarily but her like getting to a point where like she can't even sleep in a regular bed Mm -hmm. i feel like it says something about like how she views like what she's worthy of in life and like she even feels uncomfortable whenever she does get in a setting like that regardless of like her just getting upset at her uh her Her brother-in-law's friend who's like bragging about all the mortgages he's selling which is really messed up or whatever uh but like just that it it, she's like gotten to the point where she's like doesn't doesn't feel right in like that world at all and i guess that again i violated my own question really by kind of asking that because i'm where i'm i'm answering i want to be where the character didn't want to be i'm just saying that looked like a really dope house and uh
1: it was also not in an especially populated area it was also in like a very lovely semi-rural place but yeah yeah i mean
0: like this all goes without saying like i'd rather be somewhere where that like is like near stuff but i mean if it all if, if you gave my choice of wherever i could live in life but like that just looked like a really cozy getaway and i don't know i think it, i I, think, I do think it's interesting though that like and i meant to ask you about that that like i think at the where the movie ends really. I mean, she ends up just kind of like uh back where he started. Did, what, what did you think? What, what, I guess I, I, that is the last thing I'll ask you. Like, what did you think this was all building towards and did it, did it ring true to you ultimately?
1: It it, it it did ring true to me because I think, I mean, part of the point is that it's very hard to find steady employment. It's very hard to get out of this kind of work. If you know, if that's all you can find, but it's a combination of that. And also, this woman would prefer to not be living in one place. And if this is kind of the trade-off that she has to make, she's sort of happy to do it if it means that she gets to, you know, kind of live in the wild the way that she prefers. Because it's not that she doesn't have an opportunity. Like, more than once in this movie, somebody says, you can come stay with us. It's not a problem. It's not that she—and she says when she runs into that family early in the movie, the girl says to her, like, are you homeless? And she says, no, I'm just houseless. Like she's not, she's not interested in that. So it makes sense that that's the choice she would make.
0: Yeah, I guess in the context of we didn't really even talk about like because the, there's a well we we kind of talked about the moment she gets with these other characters and she ha, she really does have it with the Bob Wells character where she kind of talks about how she was she was just afraid of losing her husband and if she kind of thought if she you know she she didn't want to live her life in a way that would just like allow her to forget about him in a way kind of mm-hmm. and I I feel like that kind of helped the whole movie kind of click into place for me again I, I and I didn't necessarily think it was too on the nose because it's hard to really still. Um, understand exactly why someone would make the choices that she does but at at that point when you you realize she's driven by something greater than just material things and i mean that 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 is apparent when she kind of turns away all the other offers that she gets but like at some point you're wondering well this seems like life is really hard why are you doing this i I i need to understand a little better and i and i ultimately did at that point and that was just like a very powerful scene that and like a smart way to do it when uh bob talks about how i'm I, I'm, I know I have comfort in the fact I'm going to see my son someday and and not even in like a weird religious way. It's just like, it's a guy that's kind of made peace. And I think she kind of connects with that too.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's, she's found her community, even Mm -hmm. if she's not always going to see all of these people or maybe never will see them again. Like she's found a way to where she's, she'll always be able to find like-minded people who will support her and who she'll be able to help too.
0: I like, and I like how that community is kind of like a, you don't really see any of them using phones, but they all kind of find, find each other. And I, I, I I didn't find myself like kind of like questioning that and being like, well, how do they just all find each other? If they're like a lot of them probably don't even have cell phones. You just kind of understand that like, this is just like a community of people that are just going to be connected. You know? Yeah. And I had no trouble just kind of like taking that at face value and, and not overanalyzing it or anything like that. It just, it just kind of made sense that they're always going to kind of come together and they're bonded. And at the same time, they also have their own patterns of places where they all go throughout the year. And it just kind of, it just kind of made sense, like the way that they showed that it was all interconnected. But yeah, I think that pretty well covers it uh, for the most part. I guess, I, I guess the other, other point I'll make is that I, I, I will go see this again uh, come Oscar time if, cause we're, I mean... I will come see this at some point at the time you're probably listening to this because I'm going to release this episode around Oscar time. But I I, I would like to see this in a drive-thru uh or mm-hmm. a, a drive-in and i think you and i both have one drive-in experience since quarantine started now uh very different driving experiences that uh we already discussed and i'm not going to make everyone listen to it again they already heard me already heard me rant about that on the tenant podcast but like i think this would be like a really cool thing to watch in a drive-in because the fact that you're even in a drive-in is kind of a constant reminder of the times we're in in a way this movie is uh given that it's largely about isolation and a dying economy, that feels really timely. And it's just like largely takes place in the outdoors. And I, I would right. be curious to see what it would feel like to watch this movie in that setting and how I would take it in and if it would hit me much differently. And that's something I've given a lot of thought to. And I don't know if, if you specifically thought about that as someone that I think watched this within a couple of weeks of your first drive-in experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely did think about that because, you know, I knew it had screened drive-ins like, Oh, like, what would it be like to watch this and with the actual sky behind it you know like mm-hmm. i think that would be cool
0: god that would be really pretty if you could if i could find it at like the right time of day i didn't even think about i wasn't even really thinking about the sky but yeah that that'd be really nice and I, I hope i get that opportunity and i hope that like i hope drive-ins like do very well and i hope like but i still hope they find the time to like show movies like this that are not going to make like 100 million dollars necessarily last question before we wrap up you're you're a fan of the mcu uh how do you feel about chloe Zhao going to make a marvel movie it's not something i've talked to you about yet
1: well, it's interesting because, yeah, they, this was the movie she made while she was in doing pre-production stuff for The Eternals. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's we'll see. Because, you know, anytime an interesting like indie director gets one of those jobs, you're like, well, I'm happy for them that they got this job. I hope that they'll make this comic book movie more interesting and that they'll then have more opportunities. But you don't really want them to get like sucked into the MCU machine forever. Which is, unfortunately— to make their interesting small movies.
0: Right, which is kind of what's happened to Ryan Cougar a little bit. And mm-hmm. he, he had like this, you know, this movie Wrong Answer that I was like excited about for a while. He was gonna make with Michael B. Jordan about like the. Like a, an Atlanta public school cheating scandal, which I was oh, like, oh right, I remember and, hearing and, about and, that. It was announced, and then it went away for two years, and then it had yeah. another press release, like which I got. I think it's probably been two years when it came out that Tanya Housey Coates was going to write a screenplay on right.
1: it. Right, I'd forgotten all about this.
0: And then it just never happened. So like, I was like, oh man, like this is just what happens to these Marvel people because when Black Panther two eventually comes out, like it'll have been four or five years since Black Panther came out, and those will be the only movies they'll have made in that time. So it's really cool that like she made this movie. Just, she found a way to get this done when she t- w- while simultaneously doing Marvel stuff. So I think that's like pretty inspiring and gives me some hope that like hey like if they can find the right setup and the right financing and the right production crew and all that like these directors can do that if they really set their mind to it, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm, right, like on one hand those big movies like eat up a bunch of your time, but on the other hand she's just proven that she can make a small good movie basically at the same time so we'll see yeah well i mean eternal sounds so weird every time i hear someone like i don't like, know anything about those characters so i have no idea what it's gonna be
0: like they're elemental spirits or something like that and i'm like i don't really know but the fact is like i i, I don't think like someone that has like these sensibilities and has like an interest in doing the kind of things that we've seen chloe zell do i don't think she'd like actually go do a marvel movie unless she had like a really really interesting idea like i it doesn't seem like she's the kind of person that like just would just like do something just for the paycheck or whatever from i
1: I agree i think she there must be some sort of take where she was like i see value in this project and then to
0: not only do that but like as far as i can tell like what the the two leads of that movie are kumal nanjiani and angelina jolie it's like a, I mean uh,
1: salma hayek oh right right crazy cast
0: yeah it's just like a it's like also a very weird cast where it's not like a you know, like a traditional person that you think of as fronting one of those movies, like a like mm-hmm. a like a like a young like super athletic looking person. It's you yeah. know, it's and also
1: Angelina Jolie doesn't really do movies anymore, so yeah, so like,
0: you know, like what five or six years since she's been in one. So I, I imagine like Chloe Zhao like probably gave her a really interesting pitch to go do that because um, mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure Angelina Jolie doesn't need the Marvel money as much as she might no. enjoy it and as many kids as she has. Uh, I think she's doing okay. So like it's to get her to like come out of retirement and to basically to do that is I, I don't know. It's just like, it's gotta be something like really like weird and interesting. That's going to, I get it. Like I, I, I don't even, even so I think we both like the MCU and I, but I don't necessarily argue that hard with people that might criticize it and say like, Hey, all of these movies do kind of feel the same. Even if we can like agree that, you know, Taika Waititi and Ryan Coogler are awesome. Like they, they do have no, some I mean, kind Those of,
1: people are all correct.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But, but, but that doesn't mean you we can't enjoy those movies, but, and I can acknowledge those, that those people aren't wrong. But I feel like it just seems like Eternals is going to be something that's going to like, I don't know, upend that format a little bit. Like I, I don't have a lot to go off of with that. Like you, I don't know the characters. I just like I can't see Chloe Zhao just like doing that. Even it, like it would make more sense for a Ryan Coogler or Taika Waititi to TD to go into that and kind of work within that formula. Even if like they make their own great independent movies, it, it's like even harder to picture Chloe's out. just like going and doing her version of that of of that. I think she's going to do like an even different version of what she already does probably and good for her if she got them to let her do
1: it yeah well we'll see whenever it actually comes out which
0: yeah like I, it seems like that's like the last frontier at this point and again i'm not gonna make you have an industry conversation but it is interesting that like they still haven't like made the call on that like hey we're putting that in Disney they Plus. have it
1: set as opening next summer but right we'll but see. like
0: but, the, but the, yeah they haven't like done the thing that like hbo max did just do with like wonder woman or whatever like they're like still saying like we're not putting that on disney plus even as we do it with like pixar movies and whatnot so we'll see maybe we'll maybe we'll be vaccinated by then and we'll get to go watch the next colby's out movie in a theater unlike the one we just did that would have been much better in a theater uh, I, 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 was, I was I was about to uh, do what I've been doing at the end of these things and tell people to make recommendations, Hannah, and I'll, I'll probably end up cutting out my rambling right now. But normally I'm like, oh, make a recommendation about something you've been watching recently. But at the same time, I don't want to ask you to recommend like a new movie that just came out when this is going to be out in three months. Right. So, well, do, actually, no, I take that back because I'm going to be putting this out around the Oscars and maybe watch something that was like more prestigious recently that you might want to talk about because... Uh, then it'll be like, oh, cool, like, we're around the Oscars right now, and you can go watch that prestige thing. If so, I guess either way it works, actually, from a time perspective.
1: Well, I mean, I think my favorite movie of the year is still First Cow, which I mentioned earlier in the episode. Mm. Definitely recommend people check that out, because it's theatrical run got cut short, which is a shame. Um, And let's see, as, you know, number one Leftovers fan, I had to shout out The Nest, which has a great Carrie Coon performance in it. Oh, I haven't gotten to that yet. Where, where, where is that? Uh, it's available to rent. It's okay. out.
0: Okay, so it's not like on, it's, you got to pay a little bit, but it's not like one of the... Um,
1: yeah, it's on just like a normal $5 rental or whatever.
0: Okay, that's not bad, because I, I just paid 20 to watch Freaky two nights ago, so I can pay $6 to watch uh, The Great Carrie Coon. Uh, yeah,
1: I think responses to that movie have been a little divided, and I would understand not being into it, um, but she's really good in it, as she is in most things, so...
0: Gotcha. Is it, can you give like a two-second thing about what it's about? I don't even know.
1: Oh, it's about this. It's set in the 80s. It's uh, Carrie Coon and Jude Law play this couple who he like works in finance and decides to move his family back to England to like pursue another job. And of course, like his whole plan doesn't go like he thought it would. And they're living in this like old, weird house and their marriage is falling apart. Like it's, (laughs) uh, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it's from the director of uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene. So if you like the vibe of that. I've not seen that either, but I mean, you just gave me something. Also, else a good share. movie. You
0: just gave me something else to chew on. I will recommend something that a friend just recommended to me last weekend on Friday night, and I took his recommendation and watched it on Saturday morning. I watched the 2012 Oscar winner for best documentary, "Searching for Sugar Man," which is a movie about a a musician who, in the early 70s, living in Detroit gets like kind of put in contact with some kind of people that have been affiliated with Motown and other music producers and makes two albums, neither of which sell anything. And he goes back to life as a construction worker, and unbeknownst to him, he becomes huge in South Africa. And it's about like kind of expl- figuring out how that happened, and filmmakers kind of try and get to the bottom of exactly how something like that could happen in like the '70s, and how this guy could just not know about it, and uh, what even happened to the guy because no one knows where he is. So, uh, very cool like investigative documentary that I'm very glad my friend Riley recommended to me, and I think everyone would have a lot of fun watching it. It is less than 90 minutes and available for free on IMDb TV. So, uh, if you're just looking for some other kind of like fun documentary to watch because you've just spent time like watching something like really sad because there's plenty of that stuff around too. highly recommend that Hannah before you sign off anything you want to plug your Twitter your letterbox anything like that
1: uh yeah my Twitter is at H G C O U T U R E and my letterbox is uh Hannah GC where I'm sure I've logged movies that I should have recommended and forgot about so
0: uh, no worries. You gave us a good one to think about because we should all support Carrie Coon. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Renavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterboxd podcast. Gmail is RewindMoviePod at gmail.com and the Twitter is at RewindMoviePod. So uh, send us any more recommendations that way. Thanks to everyone for listening and listen to whatever Oscar movie we're talking about next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Hannah for joining. We'll see you next time.